Welcome to another episode of the Critical Science Podcast. I'm Dr. Lyle Bracoon. So today I want to talk about this bill in California that got signed. I want to focus in on red dye number three, but I want to talk about this bill. It's the, the California Food Safety Act. Uh, Gavin Newsom just recently signed it into law. It was um, brought into existence uh, by this uh, gentleman um, in the legislature there. His last name is Gabriel. I unfortunately don't have his first name. But um, one of the purposes of the bill, and right now I'm reading to you from the uh, Assembly Committee on Health's report on this bill. Uh, One of the purposes of this bill, the reason why um, this gentleman brought this up, is, uh, and I'll just quote it right out of the uh, right out of the report. Okay, ready? Here we go. He states that the government does not proactively regulate chemicals used in manufacturing packaged foods and even allows food manufacturers to decide if a chemical is safe for public consumption. As a result, some far- harmful chemicals, such as the ones listed in this bill, end up in food that all of us, including our children, consume every day. Okay, so wh- what chemicals is he st- is he talking about? He's talking about brominated vegetable oils, potassium bromate, polyparaben, red dye number three, and initially titanium dioxide was on here. And if you listened to this podcast, at least, and and looked at uh, some of my other writings, you'll see that, you know, there's no reason titanium dioxide should be on here. As a matter of fact, there's no reason for any of these to be banned in California. This is just really silly. Today, I want to focus in on red dye number three. But the, the thing I want to bring out is the fact that this bill is the result of lobbying by the merchants of fear. And they gladly took credit for the fact that this bill actually came out. So here, here's some things. Uh, some of the things that um, the bill sponsor is saying is not, is not correct. So let's start with the first one. Does the government regulate chemicals used in the manufacturing and packaging of foods? And the answer is yes. The Food and Drug Administration does that. They've been doing this for a very long time, and they're really, really good at it. I don't always agree with them. Uh, And we'll bring that up in a little bit. But uh, the Food and Drug Administration proactively regulates chemicals. To say that they don't is kind of silly. And, you know, there's this other part. Even allows food manufacturers to decide if a chemical is safe for public consumption. So what he's referring to there is uh, what we call the generally recognized as safe uh, determinations. So manufacturers can uh, convene a group of toxicology experts um, to then look at the available scientific information and make a determination if a chemical is generally recognized as safe. Now, there's a lot of rules associated with this, and the FDA can slap you down if you don't follow the rules and you don't do this properly. So to be generally recognized as safe you need to have a consensus of toxicologists. And I mean, I'm one toxicologist. Now, okay, under the FDA rules, you could try to get away with one, but it's going to be really hard. So generally they want a panel of different toxicologists. And believe it or not, it is actually hard to get a group of toxicologists to agree on many things. Uh, we all come at things with our own individual biases, life history, uh, and, and other things that we've done. So it's, it's kind of difficult to get us to all agree on something. But when we say that something is grass, generally recognized as safe, we're saying that within the context of the product's use or within the context of this chemical's use within the product, 
at the concentrations that a person would be exposed that this chemical is safe. That is how grass works. Now, the FDA can come along and believe me, you go to their website and you will see lots of cases where the FDA comes down on different manufacturers for either A, not having a grass certification. That's not cool. You need to have it under law. When FDA comes and knocks on your door and says, hey, you have this chemical in here. Show us uh, how you came to this conclusion. You better produce a really good uh, uh, report that substantiates that this is grass because the FDA will not take kindly if you're missing that. And the FDA does not have to accept uh, your grass panels um, conclusion. The FDA can say, no, we disagree with this for all these different reasons. So this is actually um, pretty tough. And you will see cases where FDA has come in and asked to review somebody's grass determination and turns around and says, nope. And they take the market, the product off the market. This, this does happen. So the government does proactively regulate chemicals. The government does proactively um, uh, investigate uh, food contact and, and, you know, food substances um, uh, and stuff like that that end up in the food supply. The, the FDA is keeping an eye on this. So the, to say that they aren't is wrong. And that's a common talking point, actually, of the merchants of fear is they try to go out and they try to convince you that the government isn't actually doing its job. Now, the FDA is doing its job, is doing it quite well, and it's been doing it quite well for a very long time. Uh, so the, the next part is um, they're saying that there are harmful chemicals that are in people's food. Okay, let's break this down. So initially they said titanium dioxide was one of these harmful ingredients. And thankfully, they came to their senses. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how this all shook out, but there's no evidence to suggest that titanium dioxide at levels that people are ingesting is going to be toxic uh, to people. I mean, it's it's just simply uh, ludicrous to even think this. Uh, some of you may remember, um, you know, I, I've talked about this before. I've done the calculations. And, you know, with respect to titanium dioxide, you know, let's talk about Skittles. You'd have to eat 4,080 Skittles per day for nine years before you reach that, you know, dose where you actually begin to see some kind of toxicity. You know, titanium dioxide, for instance, it just isn't absorbed into our bodies in any appreciable amount. And that's kind of the story, you know, with red dye number three as well. Red dye number three, you know, you ingest it, you don't actually get a lot of it. And one of the other uh, talking points that you may have heard with respect to red dye number three and the merchants of fear love this one. Oh my gosh, this is their favorite. They like to say, well, there's this weird quirk with the way our laws are written that FDA banned red dye number three because it causes cancer. <sighs> okay, let's talk about this. So, yes. Industry submitted a study to FDA a long time ago. Uh, I can't remember. It may have been the 70s or 80s. Um, I think it was the 80s. Submitted the study that showed that at ridiculously high doses, doses that we would never see, doses that, um, according to one of my sources who was involved in the studies, actually caused the male rat skin to turn red. That's how much was in there. These are amazingly high doses that humans could never achieve. At these doses, 
there was an indication of uh, thyroid tumors. Now, the industry argument is that what's happening is there's an iodine uh, atom within red dye number three. So the argument goes from industry that the iodine, uh, when red dye number three gets metabolized, the iodine comes out in its free form and then ends up causing some issues with the thyroid. I'm not going to get into all this. Um, FDA's argument back to industry was, okay, that's an interesting hypothesis. Give us more data to prove it. And FDA felt like industry never actually proved that hypothesis. Um, it's, it's actually a very difficult hypothesis to prove. Um, and FDA felt like all the data that industry gave it just simply didn't prove that. And so because of what we call the Delaney Clause, which is in the uh, Federal Food, Drug, and um, Cosmetics Act, um, that particular uh, clause, the Delaney Clause, states that if you run a test and you identify that this chemical causes cancer, it doesn't matter what the dose is. It doesn't matter that the dose is way, way higher than a human could ever achieve. It doesn't matter. As long as you see that positive uh, test for cancer, now the chemical has to be banned. It cannot, it cannot occur in food. It cannot occur in cosmetics. It cannot occur in drugs. That's the Delaney Clause. The Delaney Clause is from the 1950s. It, you know, it, it's, it's horrible. It needs to be repealed. It has no basis in science because what it's saying is that even at doses that a human would never see, we have to ban this chemical because it caused cancer at these ridiculous doses that are not relevant to human ingestion. So that's what the Delaney Clause says. And what ended up happening in this particular case is red dye number three was already permanently allowed in foods and drugs. And an industry group was trying to get red dye number three permanently approved for cosmetics as well. But the FDA stated that, well, we need you to do new studies. And we need you to do them this particular way at these ridiculously high doses. And industry really didn't want to do that because it was like, but at these ridiculously high doses, we're going to see cancer. And these aren't relevant to people. So this is kind of silly. Why are you forcing us to do this? And FDA is like, do it anyway. Um, <laughs> so long story short, they see cancer. And now the FDA is caught in this trap where under the Delaney Clause, they now have to say, mm -mm, you, can't have, um, you can't have this in cosmetics. And because the Delaney Clause also works for drugs, it also works for food because it's part of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetics Act. So this caused a bit of a problem, because now FDA has already made it permanent, permanent approval uh, previously. And it was grandfathered in as well, but the grandfathering there was you know, kind of a, a squishy thing. But they approved it permanently for food and drugs. And so now they said, well, I think the way we have to thread this needle is we're going to say, mm, we, we, because of the Delaney Clause, we cannot approve it for cosmetics, but it's already been permanently approved for food because it passed muster there. So here's, here's what happened. And it's in, it's in the federal record. Like you can go 
And you can read exactly how FDA tried to thread this needle. It's kind of interesting. What happened was FDA says, okay, so we're changing the rules on how we're going to allow tox testing. And, you know, we want more animals um, now than we used to require. And, you know, what ends up happening when you use more animals is you do run, I mean, you run the very distinct possibility of finding things that are statistically significant that aren't actually biologically significant. So we always kind of have to wonder, is it really a good idea to increase the number of animals? Because we are increasing, we're not necessarily increasing the sensitivity of the system. What we're doing is, is we're actually increasing uh, the, the possibility that we're going to find small differences as statistically significant that we wouldn't before. And so this is kind of the problem with statistics, the way it's done today, is what we should be doing is we should be saying, what is a biologically meaningful difference? And then doing the statistical test to say, do we see this biologically meaningful difference? And if we see something smaller than that, that's not biologically meaningful, then we ignore it. But that's not how most toxicologists do statistics. And I could go on a, a, a whole 24-hour rant about that. But basically, the way the FDA operates and the way most toxicologists who don't actually know statistics operate is as long as it meets this p-value threshold, they're all of a sudden going to say, hey, it's significant, and that, that means something. Statisticians have been trying to tell people for years that that's not how this works. And a p-value is a horrible way to make decisions. Uh, there, there are far better things that we need to be doing, like looking at the effect size. That's, that's this whole, is it bio biologically meaningful? You got to look at that effect size. So long story short, FDA changed the rules. And because they changed the rules, now all of a sudden they're finding something as uh, causing cancer when before they probably wouldn't have. And that's the bottom line there. So long story short, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the merchants of fear, I should say, a lot of the merchants of fear are coming out and saying, well, we need to ban red dye number three because it causes cancer. And FDA has already banned it for cosmetics, but they still allow it for food. Isn't that a horrible thing? Clearly, the government isn't doing its job. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, good Lord. That's not how this works. So. The other argument has been, and I will admit, I have not gone fully into this literature, but I've gone pretty deep into it. Um, there's this whole literature about the hyperactivity thing with, <laughs> with red dye number three. And part of the problem is a lot of these studies aren't actually looking just at red dye number three. They're looking at a large group of dyes, not just red dye number three. There's other study um, study issues such as you know the, some of these study participants may be ingesting additional levels. There's variable levels of uh, ingestion of these different dyes based on their normal diet. Um, so there, there's all kinds of weird things going on. But basically, the science is not solid, and there is no good consensus as to whether or not there is. <clears throat> um, hyperactivity or behavioral issues when kids are ingesting the, um, 
the dies. But to make this even more interesting is that parents and teachers don't always agree if there's an effect. Isn't that interesting? So I need to dig into that literature a little bit more. I haven't, I haven't been in that literature in probably a good 20 years. Um, so I need to definitely jump back into it and see what's going on. Maybe that'll be another future episode, but I, I, I do want to come back to this whole thing about uh, what's happening with this law. So one of the things that really, really, really concerns me and irks me to a great deal is when legislators who aren't experts in these areas start putting together laws based on special interest groups who have definite um, motives, right? And generally speaking, I don't like to throw people under the bus because of where their money comes from. I prefer to throw them under the bus based on their science. And unfortunately, the, the, the chemophobic merchants of fear, uh, I have massive issues with them because they, they, will, they will cherry pick their science in order to create some kind of false narrative. They will convince people of this, and it's, it, we call it the white hat bias. These people coming out of their white hats, they are the heroes of the story, and they're there to protect you. And they use these kinds of victories in California to create a more chemophobic society and to take us even further away from risk-based policies. And so, because they don't believe that there's a safe level of any chemical. They don't. That's what they've said. They make that very clear. To them, there is no safe level of any chemical, which flies in the face of what we know from science in toxicology. So... Long story short, uh, this whole thing about red dye number three and cancer is not relevant to humans. If you remember nothing else that I tell you today, this is what I want you to remember. At reasonable doses, at human relevant, not even reasonable, at human relevant doses, you will not see cancer in humans from red dye number three. Period. This law is brought to you by the merchants of fear who want nothing more to turn us into a society that doesn't use science, that doesn't use risk, and becomes completely chemophobic. Here's the toxic truth for you. We're all a bag of chemicals. I could go to a chemical supplier and buy all the chemicals needed to make any one of us uh, let's see. When I was in college, the uh, estimate was it would be like uh, between ten and thirteen dollars. Um, today, you know, inflation. Oh God, with inflation, maybe it's closer to a thousand. Who knows? I wasn't in college that long ago, but you know, I'm just making a joke about inflation. It's completely out of control, which is really weird. So that's the other thing that could happen. You know, I'm just thinking out loud. If 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 companies have to reformulate their products to avoid these now banned things, which, you know, some of these aren't really in use that much anymore, but like red dye number three is in use. That may end up driving up costs even more. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Bottom line is this. Don't give into the chemophobic hysteria. I don't like that word. Don't give into the chemophobic um, uh, teachings and philosophy that is out there. You know, stand firm and ask to see the science, you know, get in touch with your local toxicologist, because I'm sure every one of you has a toxicologist living next to you. Um, 
which is kind of funny in our neighborhood. I actually have a pharmacist living next to me. I got another pharmacist down the road. It's really weird. Uh, so many biomedical people in this neighborhood. It's really strange. That wasn't by, that wasn't on purpose. That was completely by accident. Anyway, thanks for listening to me ramble. I'm really good at that. Um, you know, like, share, tell your friends. Uh, I'd like to get more people, uh, you know, to, to hear about, you know, these things and become more aware of these things. Talk to your friends about, you know, chemophobia and the merchants of fear and what's going on in California, because it's going to impact all of us. It's not like, you know, Mars is all of a sudden going to say, well, we're going to make a different packaging or different product entirely for California. No, that's, that's going to impact all of us ultimately. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day, and uh, I'll be back at you soon. 